The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is powered by theflycrate.com, an online fly shop. Join the Quarterly Fly Club today, your source for all things fly fishing. And wait for it films. For action-packed fly fishing videos and camera-related content, check out Wait For It Films on YouTube or at www.theweightcreativeco.com. And Broken Tippet Fly Company. Blog and fishing apparel and accessories. Check them out online at brokentippet.com. You, you, you are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. You know, I I think I turn it off um, on the weekends. Definitely on when I'm on vacation, I'm definitely not thinking about work. I would say weekdays. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and honestly, I'll be honest. When I'm I, I, I'm I'm the authorizations officer for the landfills for Northern BC. Um, so when I'm on vacation, stupid as it sounds, I will drive by landfills and and have a look if I haven't ever seen them before. So hmm. you know, I, I'm kind of still curious, but I'm not working. A keener, <laughs> a keen, I guess so. we've we've got a keener. Okay, let's let's flip that land on its head. What's the worst job you ever have had? Edit that pizza in victoria <laughs> hands down the worst job i've ever had you, I hate you, it. you knew right away oh yeah 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 it's uh it it wasn't fun i what? lasted two weeks and i quit were you front of house or back of house i was back of house and driver oh. um and the, the manager was horrendous the job was awful <laughs> um the pay was ridiculous like it was bad i hated it what about the pizza I mean, pizza it's kind of gross too, really. Okay, now I might have to edit that because I don't need a lawsuit. <laughs> edit that. <laughs> um, but it was years ago. Yeah, twenty years ago. The pizza's probably way better now, right? I would hope so. Way better. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by the Fly Crate. The Fly Crate is an online fly shop where you can save more on flies and gear. Shop between hundreds of unique flies and join the quarterly fly club for hand-picked fly assortments for each season. Exclusively for our podcast listeners, you can save an additional 10% on the Fly Crate by using the code FLYFISH97. Go to theflycrate.com and use the code FLYFISH97 at checkout to save 10%. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Really happy you chose to join us today. And we're going to head to the, I'd say the northern part of British Columbia, Canada. We've got Len Cook on the line out of Prince George, BC. Len is an environmental protection officer uh, with the province of BC. He's also an avid fly fisher avid tire uh len your name keeps coming up on facebook posts that i see so i really appreciate you taking the time out to to join us tonight thanks for doing this yeah no worries i'm uh, i'm happy to be here so let's talk about fly fishing and what it means to you and how you came to find it so i always like to start at the beginning how how did you take us through your fly fishing journey if you will where did it start for you sure yeah um my dad um, got me fly fishing, I think when I was around seven or eight, um, it was, you know, trolling at Doc Spratley behind the, the canoe. Oh yeah. Um, and then, uh, I bugged him and bugged him and bugged him and, uh, started destroying some of his fly tying materials in the basement of the house. Uh, and then eventually started tying flies that looked like flies instead of, you know, disasters. Um, and then, you know, it just sort of progressed from there. Um, so, yeah, I'm 46 now, so I guess I've been fly fishing, well, I shouldn't, yeah, probably 30 years I've been, been fly fishing now. That's a, over 30. That's a fairly familiar story, Len. Like, I know that you and I are probably fishing similar kind of waters, because that was, that's my book right there. You, you hit it on the head, a Doc Spratley behind the boat, you're pulling it along, <laughs> right? Yeah. So Yeah, absolutely. Walk us through the next kind of expansion of that journey. Like, so, um, is there anybody that kind of it sounds like your dad might have been a big influence but throw some influences out there whether it's you know um buddies or just people you may have read about like where did you kind of pick up the craft if you will um it was you know really started with my dad um and my dad's friends i grew up in victoria and we used to go into robinson's uh sporting goods in victoria all the time and 
um, you know, I hung out with some of the guys there and, um, yeah. And, you know, when I moved to PG about 14 years ago now, um, I, I met Donnie Erasmus and Donnie and I fished a lot together. He's shown me some of his, his tricks and, uh, shown me a few spots on a bunch of rivers. And, um, yeah, so I'd say, you know, Donnie and I fished together a lot. We're pretty good friends and, um, hmm. you know, a bunch of other guys too up here so i just i've learned from a lot of people i fished with nick pace a couple times we used to go hit steelhead all the time out west um so yeah i just i just kind of hang out with people who are like-minded and fly fish and mm-hmm. yeah just, just go from there so i are you a big fly tire as well is that is that a big part of what you're doing yeah yeah it's uh it's, it's pretty big for me i tie probably probably four flies a day um just after work, it relaxes me before I go to bed kind of thing. Hmm. Uh, after my, my kids are in bed, then I scoot into my fly tying room and shut the door and put on some tunes and crack a beer and tie some flies. I like so it. I tie everything from like chironomids for lakes to um, big saltwater bugs. Mm-hmm. Well, we've, for, uh, we've had your, your good buddy Donnie Erasmus on, on the show, and I know... I mean, he's obviously authored some books. He's really dialed in. Probably a great guy to fish with and learn from. Um, yep. If you had to kind of pick your your go-to, are you more of a river guy than a still guy, or is it kind of all of the above for you? For me, it's 50-50. Hmm. So growing up in Victoria um, and, and learning to fly fish, it was mostly in lakes. So my dad and I would take the canoe out to, out to uh, Elk Lake and, and Beaver Lake, and we'd paddle around there and catch a bunch of trout. Um, and then I was in, in scouts, too, so we used to fish at the scout camp out there. Um, and then, I, you know, we started fishing the couch and, and the souk and, you know, do the sea run cutty thing. So it was, it's really an amalgamation of everything. Um, yeah, I, I basically, it's 50-50 for me, really, so, um, lake and uh, and river. That's pretty well-rounded. It's It's honestly rare that i talk to somebody that's that way it's either it always seems like whoever i talk to is fishing the moving water they're fishing the still water they're fishing the salt water but i always think um and this is just my personal take i think somebody that fishes both still and moving water is probably a more well-rounded angler because there's a lot of different lessons as you know we can take from both i want to get to know your day-to-day len so um you know let's get to know your kind of tendencies so Say you're headed to your favorite stretch of of moving water in in the Prince George area. What's playing in the truck on the stereo for the most part? Um, you know what? I I listen to a lot of alt country. A lot of my friends are going to be. <laughs> oh man, did you actually say that? Um, but yeah, you know, so um, a guy named Hayes Carl, uh, I like him a lot. So I listen to listen to alt country i honestly just put it on spotify and um yeah and find an, an alt country prefab mix and i just hit the button um <laughs> but that, you know that said I, I grew up listening to everything my parents were into folk and classical and all that stuff so i, I listened to a lot of you know gordon lightfoot and beethoven going fishing as a kid <laughs> so i've got a pretty eclectic uh eclectic taste in music that reminds me yeah i was the same man i uh we had the old eight track going on the old Chevy Impala and the, the folks that have like Gordon Lightfoot, maybe a little Chilliwack, maybe a little ABBA. Yep, definitely <laughs> ABBA. Yep. <laughs> maybe, maybe a little uh, King of the Road. Um, you know, what was that guy's mm-hmm. name? Oh, shoot. What was that guy's name? King of the Road. Anyway. I, I, yeah, I've lost it. You can't years. roller skate in a buffalo herd. I remember he's saying, Roger Miller. That's the guy. That's the guy. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I've, I feel that. So, Let's get to the still. So um, if if you've got one pattern, Len, that you're reaching for more often than not, what would that be? Um, ooh. Well, you know what? It's I'm just sitting here looking at my fly tying bench. It's it's probably a balanced leech. Mm. What color? Ooh. Uh burgundy really like to be totally honest it's probably burgundy like it what color bead gold okay i fish a lot of blobs too like it's and and i've been fishing dragon a lot and dragon has been sort of blob central the last year like we did really well on blobs boobies and um and goldfish patterns (laughs) goldfish patterns that aren't gold (laughs) 
Okay. Well, well, and as we know, goldfish when they're little aren't gold, right? They're usually nope, they're darker. Yeah. Dark brown and orange. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I do raise koi, so I see that transition. And it's it's sad. I mean, it's sad that I think a white lake back in the day, because I used to live in Salmon Arm, and when we fished that back in the, uh, I don't know, late 80s, they had a goldfish problem there too. And that was a trophy, trophy trout lake with full of these beautiful rainbows. And somebody dumped some goldfish in there, so all of a sudden... But the but they had panast in there for the most part back in the day, so it it, it was like they weren't getting eaten. <laughs> I think yeah. uh, I I sense dragons a little different. Well, they they stocked horsefly the last few years, um, and a lot of people weren't super happy about that. But the horseflies are getting huge, mm. and um, yeah, and they're they're definitely smacking bugs, and they fight a lot harder than the others. Yeah, amen to that. I've only fished one lake with them, and I can attest to that. Um. Do so. I'm curious. What you said, balanced leech, and, and I wanted to s- explore that a little bit because um, it's been a bit of a bone of contention with me. I've been tying everything balanced the last few years because it has worked for me. But I've talked to other tires, other competitive fly fishers, avid fly fishers that say, no, you don't need to be balanced. Just uh, you know, upright, vertical, or even a jig hook um, can do the job. Why do you think balance works so well for you? You know, honestly, I'm not sure. Um, I've done well on the jig hooks too. Um, like I tie a lot on um, on those 450 BLs in uh, in size eight and ten. That's a hannock. Um, yeah, or or the uh, the trout bum ones. Yep, yep. So um, yeah, so the hannock 450 BL in a you know in a in an eight or a ten, and you know I'd say 50 percent of the time I put the I you know. Th- run the pin on there and and tie it completely balanced the other 50 percent of the time i would say my balance leeches are more of a jig hook leech right and i you know honestly i can't really tell you if they if one works better than the other i just call them balance leeches because they're tied on a jig hook but sure. they, they're definitely not all tied you know completely balanced i never i've never put a fly in water with a piece of you yeah. know tip it on it to see if it's balanced i i'm not that picky <laughs> it's funny you said that. I find the prettier the fly, the worse it works. Yeah. The worse it works or the better it works? The, the worse it works. Like if, if I tie one that's perfect, okay. it will not produce as well as a slightly crappier one. Well, I had the same conversation with the guys up at Northern Light Lodge just last or two weeks ago, and they were telling me that. And, and I'm sure you've lived this too. You take a Tom Thumb, it starts getting beaten up, or even a chronomid, right? It starts kind of getting hit, and I don't know what it is. It doesn't look pristine. Um, you know, you probably wouldn't pick it out of a fly box at the shop, but for some reason it just works better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, fishing, fishing river, same thing. Once the, I, I, I fish a lot of uh, cripple patterns and, um, you know, after two, three fish, if the fly has got anything left on it, these cripples tend to self-destruct pretty fast. Yeah. Um, you know, if the fly still looks like a bug, sort of, it's catching fish constantly. Yeah, exactly. I get that. Um, where do you like to go, Len, to talk fly fishing? So, and you know, let's say this time of year. So, obviously, the water's still kind of locked up. We're 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 chomping at the bit to uh, to get out there. It's not that far away, especially at lower elevations. But where do you get your fix for fly fishing when you're not fishing? Um, well, we don't have a fly shop in Prince George, believe it or not. Really? Um, there's yeah, there's there's surplus herbies, which you know what. For what they are, they're great. They've got stuff. Yeah. So if there's a hook you need, you know, you see you run out of peacock girl. Well, they have that, but they don't have, you know, the stuff that you want. They don't have balance or jig hooks. Sorry, they don't have right. a lot of beads, stuff like that. Um, so honestly, it's it's talking to buddies on the internet. So we've uh, got a few chat groups going with some friends. Yeah. Um, on Facebook and on um, on WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we just do our little BS sessions on there. And um, yeah, and I, I keep trying to host fly tying uh, nights at my house, but uh, I live far enough out of town that uh, no one else lives out here <laughs> that I fly fish with. So they don't want to drive all the way here. <laughs> right. Well, and COVID threw a wrench in that too, right? Oh, amen to that for sure. Um, so, and I'm not looking to, you know, necessarily promote any brands, but I love honesty and integrity. So for me, okay, so here you are in PG. Yeah, you go to Surplus Herbies, but when you want 
a certain hook. Who are you ordering from for the most part? Ooh, um, you know what? I like to split it up. So when I order stuff, um, I, I, I split it basically between Robinson's, um, mm-hmm. Troutwater, Mike Mignon, um, and Fishtails in Calgary. Wow. Okay. That's diverse. Yeah. I like it. It is, yeah. But I, you know what? I, I find that, and I don't care about price really. Like if it's a couple bucks more somewhere, yeah, I'm like that I don't too. really care about that. I just like to spread it, you know, spread it around. Yeah. Um, and and you know, a lot of my friends will ask me where did, where did you get that, and I'll be like, well, I got it here, but when do you phone these guys? Yeah. And get it from them. Yeah. Instead, I'm, right. I'm the same. I think I I, I call Nick up at uh, Trout Waters, or I'll go to Togans, or I'll go to. Uh, Shoot, where's the other one that I go to? Uh, Smart Angling Canada. Sometimes it's right. it's nice. To, I know what you mean by that because there's there's a lot of these different companies. They don't all carry the same brand, so it's like okay, if I need this hook for this recipe, um, you know, I could probably find a substitute. But why don't we start and 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 order that? And I'm I'm like you too. It's like if it's a buck or two more, I don't I don't, I don't compare prices. Just being honest, for me, it's about the service, right? The service and how it long. is totally about the service, and it's yeah. about supporting the you know the small shops. Yeah, um, I agree. And and friends because I'm friends with pretty much, you know, I, I'm friends with Matt at Robinsons and friends with Nick. Pretty good friends with Nick at uh, Troutwater. Yeah, uh, Tim and Ryan at M and Y, and I know a bunch of people at Fishtails. So you know, I do support other shops like um, uh, Oscars and Smithers. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And, uh, and, you know, but again, like it's, it's, I'm not in smithers I'm in PG and it's, yeah. Um, usually if I, if I need something, um, Oscars may not have it in the middle of winter right. and, uh, and the guys down south will. So, and I, I do a lot of traveling for work. So basically every town I hit that has a fly shop, you know, gets a few of my bucks. <laughs> a few. I like that. <laughs> That's very PC, Len. That's very PC. A few of my bucks. A toonie here, a toonie there. <clears throat> yeah. Um, let's talk sports. Are you are you a sports guy? Um, I used to be more than I am now. I'm I'm into rugby. Um, okay. But um, you know, and I I sort of yeah. You know, I I really I don't really watch football. I don't really watch hockey anymore. Okay. Um, I watch rugby when it's around. Um, so I, you know, I watch the World Cup when it happens. I played for a while, and mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of into it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's always sort of been been rugby. I grew up watching hockey with my dad and my uncles and stuff. But yeah, yeah since then, I I don't know. I just I just haven't watched. I go to live hockey games, so I'll go to the Cougars games here. Sure. Uh, but I just I I would go and tie flies. Um, so if you're going to a hockey game in PG, is it Cougars for you? No. Um, what about Spruce Kings? Um, Spruce Kings are downtown. I haven't. I've been to a couple of their games, but it's mostly the Cougars. Yeah. Okay. That I go to, and the Spruce Kings games seem to be randomly, sort of sporadically, um, when I'm not around. Right. So yeah. So if I'm traveling for work or something, it's like, oh, there's a Spruce Kings game. Well, I'm in you know Smithers or wherever I'm at. Well, you guys have a good team this year. I can tell you that because I'm, uh, the, the games I go to is in that league. And yeah, uh, they, they're looking pretty good. Yeah, they spanked Bank Victoria the other the other um, the other week, like nine to one, I think. Yeah, I think uh, I think you guys are in pretty good shape for sure. Yeah. Um, let's talk lessons from the water. So, if if you had to, you know, look at your fly fishing history to date, why do you do this? Like, wh- what does it do for you? Wh- what do you get out of? spending so much time on the water, time at the vice. Um, speak to that a little bit, because I, I think that's something that we don't dig into too much. And I know that's a fairly philosophical question, but I think when you when you sit back and you go, why do we fly fish? It's not about the catch, and it's deeper than that. What does it do for you? Um, you know, to sound hokey, it's kind of my happy place. Like, it's... it's... Mm-hmm. I'm never I'm never grumpy when I go fly fishing. It's like if I'm, if I'm frustrated <laughs> with something, if I'm frustrated with something at home or at work, I'll just sit down and tie some flies. Um, uh, when I can't go fishing, and when I'm you know, I try to get out as much as I can. Um, and uh, and yeah, it just sort of it relaxes me. Um, and it's it's always fun. Yeah. You know, it's it's just one of those things that, and it's just nice to be on the water. I love the sound of moving water. 
uh, love the smell of the forest. Um, you know, especially coastal forest when you've got the, the wet cedars and the rain and mm. you're trying to find a steelhead. Oh yeah. Um, if it's something, so when my parents moved out here from Europe back in the early seventies. And I remember this distinctly as a kid coming from Europe, getting off the plane in Vancouver and just smelling pine. Like you smell yeah. the forest and it sounds really odd to somebody that smells it all the time because you get used to it. But if you've never experienced that, you know, it's wherever I find that when I get off a plane in a certain, doesn't matter where it is in North America, there is a smell. Um, it's yeah. not always good. And, uh, <laughs> there's something, there's something, uh, feels like home when you smell those pine trees, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Fill in the blank for me. When, when you're not fly fishing, what are you normally doing? Ooh, um, tinkering with my vehicles, um, tying flies, hanging out with my kids and my dogs, and bird hunting. I'm, I'm big into uh, oh, grouse hunting. Nice. How many kids you got? Two. Okay. How old? Eight, how old? They're eight, eight-year-old twins. You got twins, man. Wow. Yeah. Me too. Wow. <laughs> right on. Yeah. They're 20 though. So that's, uh, I remember that. Oh man, you're busy. You're busy right now. Some days I wish mine were 20. Girls, uh, boys, one of each. What's one, going on? One of each. Yeah. Wow. Uh, my son ties flies with me. My daughter's not so keen on it. Okay. She, she'd rather go and do something else. But uh, yeah. yeah, my son's son ties some reasonably decent chronomets, probably better than the ones I was tying 15 years ago. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and, um, yeah, he's tied a bunch of leeches. Right on. Yeah, That's and he, cool. they like they like coming out of the boat. He actually would he likes fly fishing more than than my daughter too. So he'll he's got his own rod. I've got him an echo gecko, and he just comes and hangs out in the in the boat. And uh, I've got an eighteen foot uh, eighteen foot power drifter. So okay. we just go hang out on the lake in that beast, and uh, it's pretty safe for him. He can't really fall out of the thing. Yeah, that's a, that's um, a decent sized boat. Yeah. yeah, it's a beast. Yeah. It's, a, it's a it's a big boat. So but, when you say uh, the lake, what 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 is the lake for you? Um, I've got a lot. So that boat, I only really take to dragon because it's big. Yeah. The boat's big. Um, I live right by West Lake, okay. um, which is south, south and west of Prince George. Um, it has no fish of, um, no fish of note in it. <laughs> <laughs> They've tried to stock that thing. I don't know how many times. And, uh, and the, it's got a really weird, um, really weird thermocline. And the fish just die. It can't grow. It can't sustain sustain rainbows. Hmm. They put like something like twenty thousand kokanee in it, and I think there might be twenty left. Like it's <laughs> it's not okay. it's not worth it. Interesting. Uh, I ice fish. I ice fish a bit in the winter too. Yeah, um, I get bored with it. But I'm I'm like that too. For me, it's uh, um, I would rather tie flies than go ice fishing. But yep. it also gets me through. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, I need absolutely. to get out. Yeah, and honestly, I didn't go one time this year, which is the first time in oh probably twenty years I haven't been. And I think and I've been three times. And I don't. I didn't miss it that much, just being honest. But yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I love, the, I'm like you, I like the moving water. I love to hear the sound of that. And once that still water gets going, the scrotomids start popping, man. And we're not that yep. far away, Hey, eh? It's coming up. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I figure Easter weekend is my, is my bet. Nice. Taking some bets with some friends. I think, I think like my dragon might be off by then. So working with the, with the province, do you, I mean, mm-hmm. is holidays a, a, a good, I'm sure you guys get some decent vacation time does that does that afford you a lot of time to get out there yeah it does um i get i get a fair amount of time off um yeah i get i get flex days so i get two days two extra days off a month um nice so fridays or mondays so i usually take fridays off um yeah so i you know it, nice when the kids are in school in the fall and I sit there and I look at my, my side-by-side shotgun and my, my fly rod. And it's like, <laughs> do I go to the lake? Do I go to the river? I'm going to go to the river and I can shoot birds on the way to the river. <laughs> <laughs> Load up the dogs and head to the river. When you say birds, are we talking grouse? Are we talking pheasants? What are, what are we talking? Just just grouse up here. We've got grouse and we've got waterfowl. Any chuckers? Uh, or no? No, no. Too cold for them up here, I think. Okay. Or they just haven't made it this far yet. 
Yeah, uh, we've got we've got sprucies and roughies, and um, there's rumors there's some some blue grouse um, kicking around a little bit farther south of me. So yeah. I might go try and find them this year. They're tough. They are. They're smart. What about turkeys? No turkeys up that far. No turkeys. No. Well, they're um where I, I where, well where I'm at, they're moving in. <laughs> it's like they're oh really oh yeah they're coming over. It's good. Uh, we're seeing them where we haven't seen them before, which to me is kind of exciting, but, um, Mm -hmm. let's talk jobs like in, and, and by this, I don't want to slam anything you've, you're doing now or have done before, but like, what's, are you living your best life right now? Are you, you doing the best job so far? Um, you know what? I think I am. This is, this is sort of, um, I've got a degree in geography from UVic. Um, and I, especially some parks and protected areas management of all things. Mm -hmm. Um, Ended up as a contaminated sites consultant for a bunch of years, um, and was never home. Was always on the road. Um, I saw a lot of the province, a lot of the country, but I was I was never home. Um, you know, it's hard to have a life when you're when you're on the road, yeah, all the time. And now uh, it's great. You know, I work uh, eight thirty to eight thirty to five, Monday to Friday, every other Friday off. Um, you know, the money the money is decent. It's decent enough to live on. Um, and yeah, the time off's great, and the job's pretty rewarding too. It's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I think working for the ministry is probably the best job I've had for sure. But, you know, and my my team's great too. The team I work with, my section head's great. So that's every be, that's yeah, everything. My, my manager, yeah, absolutely. We're all we're all pretty like minded. We all work our butts off. Um, yeah, and then we all like to relax. And a lot of us are you know outdoors. So a lot of people that I work with fly fish and hunt and. How important as well. How important is in your mind is that balance, that work life balance? Oh, it's huge. Um I've never I'd never really had it before. Hmm. Um, Interesting. You know, for, for as a consultant for I think it was fourteen years as an environmental consultant. So it was a work work balance. Even when I was off, I was on. So <laughs> I would go to I would go to um to Sheridan for a week after main long weekend every year. Yeah. And I'd be in the boat on the lake with my cell phone working i had my laptop out there oh, yeah. uh, like i would literally sit in my boat with my laptop working yeah and now it's uh i don't even have a government phone i uh and i turn my, my computer off when i leave and i i think about work the next morning how long have you been doing what you're doing now almost three years okay so so it's, and, okay so i think you and i could relate on something here because i used to be on the road a lot and when the kids were born <laughs> you know what it's like having twins it's like uh hello <laughs> you you yeah. might need to be around a little bit right so so those five years prior to what you're doing now I would imagine was a little different right oh yeah it was really hard the kids hated it yeah um, that is you tough. know and I, I i travel a bit for work now but not much and only only when i want to if that makes sense. So if, if, yeah. if I want to go and look at some, some stuff for work, I can, I'm, I've got some freedom to travel, but I don't have to travel. So, you know, the phone doesn't ring at three in the morning because the truck rolled over and there's a spill and I have to jump in my pickup and tear out there and, uh, and deal with the contaminated soil. You know, that, that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> do you get so, to turn it off or do you just put it on mute? You know what? I, I think I turn it off. Um, on the weekends, definitely on, when I'm on vacation, I'm definitely not thinking about work. I would say weekdays, you know, and, and honestly, I'll be honest when I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm the authorizations officer for the landfills for Northern BC. Um, so when I'm on vacation, stupid as it sounds, I will drive by landfills and, and have a look if I haven't ever seen them before. So, Hmm. you know, I, am kind of still curious, but I'm not working. A keener. (laughs) (laughs) We've we've got a keener. Okay, let's let's flip that land on its head. What's the worst job you ever have had? Pizza in Victoria. <laughs> Hands down, the worst job I've ever had. You, I hate it. You knew right away. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it it wasn't fun. I what? lasted two weeks and I quit. Were you front of house or back of house? I was back of house and driver. Oh. Um, and the, the manager was horrendous. The job was awful. <laughs> um, the pay was ridiculous. Like it was bad. I hated it. What about the pizza? I mean, pizza it kind of gross too, really. Okay. Now I might have to edit that because I don't need a lawsuit. <laughs> edit that. <laughs> um, but it was years ago, 
Yeah. Probably 20 years ago. The pizza's probably way better now, right? I would hope so. Way better. So, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, it's, uh, well, and that's a you totally. You say it was a pizza place. Yeah, yeah, I get it. And and you know what's funny is I, I we've all had those jobs where you're like, what am I doing? But I, th- I think, for me, that builds character. Like, when I talk to people that have done lots of different jobs, I um I have a, there's a respect factor for me. It's like yeah, you know, so you actually cleaned out that sewer. You actually, you know what I mean? Like the totally the, the jobs that nobody wants to do. If you can do it and still, I don't even know how to verbalize this, but if you if you can do it and still be okay with it, um, yeah. all of a sudden you know things get a little easier when you have a good job. You know. Like, oh, it's like it's like heaven. <laughs> yep, totally. But, yeah, no, I get that. Um, let's. Um, I think we've got a good idea. Your kind of day to day. Um, how did you come to discover fly tying? Is that something that came along fairly early on in your learning curve in the fly fishing end of things? Yeah, well, when my my dad always had fly tying material kicking around in the basement, he had sort of a a little workbench. Um, with, with a, a really old device that I still have. Um, I'm actually sitting in my, as I say, my fly tying room now. I'm looking at it right now. It's an old blue vice. Um, and he had a bunch of old mustad hooks and, you know, some peacock curl and his old fly tying kit. So I, I dug into that right away and I thought it was really cool. Um, and then, you know, as I as I got older, I, I tied more flies and then bought a, I think I bugged my dad for a vice. Um, so I had my own vice and I just, I just learned. Mm. Um, I think I was around 15, 14 or 15. I built a little desk. So you have it in my bedroom and just tie my own flies in my bedroom. And I tied some pretty horrendous flies, um, but I still have some of them and they, they actually still work sort of. That's, that's what makes that. Okay. So what you just said there, like for me, it's like when people start tying flies and you and I were talking about this before we hopped on this call, uh, mm-hmm. maybe we did it. We thought we'd save some money. Okay. And then, then we, then we found out that's. <laughs> That's not the case, but exact opposite. But there's something gratifying about creating something, um, you know, something you made that actually works to catch a fish. W- would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. I um I I love fishing my own flies. I you know I if if someone else in you know that I'm fishing with has got a fly that's working and my I have nothing in my box that's working, I mm-hmm. will you know see if I can bum a fly. Yeah. Um, but usually what I'll try and do, if I've got my kit with me and we're on, you know, trip on a trip somewhere, I'll keep that fly, put it in my box and I'll try and copy it that night. Yeah. Uh, that's rather, smart. Than, rather than fishing it, but I will fish them if it, you know, sitting on, sitting on a lake somewhere and I'm catching nothing and it's driving me nuts. Right. Um, how are you for yeah. one-offs? I tie a lot of them. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll sit down on my bench and, uh, I'll, probably tie like I, I try to tie three of everything um but mm. that said like i tie a lot of cripples as i said before and i fish a lot of cripples um and i have this bad habit of tying a cripple one of one fly and putting it in my box and then i'll get up to the river and it'll work like crazy and i'll lose the damn thing and <laughs> like well great i don't even remember what that looked like before i destroyed it on fish and then got it stuck oh. in a tree See that that so so here's something that I've started doing is taking a picture um catalog because and and honestly even if it's a one off cuz that that's nailed me in the past okay so I'll tie something up that I don't even know what the heck I used materials but it looked buggy so I tie it on and it's lights out I lose it and then I'm trying to recreate it from my mind and I'm just like well it was beige it had some marabou I, you don't know, right? Absolutely. Yeah. When yeah, I, I, tie, I take a lot of pictures of flies and I put them on Instagram and I generally delete them out of my phone um, because my phone will get so many pictures in it with kids and yeah. other stuff. So I'll go back, I'll scroll, I'll scroll through Instagram and look for the pictures in there. <laughs> oh, and, and I, yeah, I, I feel that. What's your Instagram handle? Because I don't think I follow you on Instagram. It is BC Trout Guy. So it's BC underscore Trout Guy. Or maybe I follow you and I don't realize it was you. Hmm. All right. Maybe. I do that all the time. It's like um, I follow you on Facebook, but sometimes Instagram, you know, you could be called something totally different. Good yeah. to know. Uh, BC 
underscore trout guy? Yep. Got it. Okay. I'm going to steal some of your patterns and see if they work. <laughs> um, some of them do, some of them don't. I've tied a few that are like, oh, well, that thing sucks. I'm not using that one again. Well, but that's, and, and for me, that's, that's interesting because, uh, like, I'll see somebody do something weird with a balanced pattern and then i'll try and translate that into something that i like to use that's also balanced or mm-hmm. i've been on this wally wing kick lately because it's very gratifying and i finally figured out how to do it and it's uh man those things look buggy yeah they do what what kind of vice do you like to tie on is there a br- um, is there a brand you your go-to I'm a, I'm a regal guy okay so i've um i think when i was probably 16 my dad bought a regal Mm-hmm. And then I kept borrowing it and taking it up to my my bedroom, and I'd take it back down to his his into the basement where he tied um, before he noticed. Sometimes, not all the time, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm tying out a Regal Revolution right now. I bought it probably, well, I'm going to say six six and a half years ago. Yeah. Um, it's a great vice. I love it. It it you know it doesn't spin as well as some of the others, but I just find them tough, and I like the, I like the size of the things. Um, I like to be able to, you know, I find they, they hold, they hold flies. You don't have to fart around with adjusting tension. Yeah. yeah. It's just constant tension and it stays in there. Can you go super, <laughs> anything, can they break hooks? Can you, yeah, yeah. I've experienced that. Can you go super small with that one? Um, I've tied 22s in it. Oh yeah. Well, that's, that's it's, to it's me, hard. that's super small 22s. Yeah, like I, I have midge jaws for my other regal. Yeah. Um, but I don't tend to use that regal too much. I wish the only thing I wish about these regal vices is that they actually made a midge jaw for the revolution vice. Hmm. Um, it would be perfect because the, the midge jaws, you can tie everything from a two aught down to a size 30. If you're, yeah. your eyes work that well, mine certainly don't, but well, so that is, so that is something I struggle with, especially as I get older. I use cheaters all the time and I get the yeah. most powerful ones I can get, especially when we're dealing with small chronoids. What do you, what do you use to see the fly better is, do you have a magnifier on your light? Do you use a glass glasses? I, I use glasses. Um, I wear progressives all the time. Okay. Um, and then I take them off and I've got some 2.5s or threes, I think sitting on my bench that I use to tie with. Yeah. Uh, and I've got a really bright led light that hangs over my, over my, um, my vice. It's funny, I so I I just go to the dollar store and buy cheap uh, cheaters, but I always buy the most powerful ones I can find, and I think I've got three point two fives, and I find oh, wow. oh man, what a difference! Like, but even between yep. the twos, when you're when you're tying those ribs and you're trying to do a double rib, and it's like everything's just magnified, and it makes it it makes your flies look ugly because it's like, you know, it's like you start really looking at it. Um, it looks better from afar sometimes, but, uh, yeah, I, I always like asking people that I saw this thing led online and it was like, uh, I don't know if it was from diamond setting business or what, but it was like, this is what, you know, they use in the industry. It was basically, it straps onto your head with these magnifiers and it has this light on it, but yeah, I spent some bucks on it, and it's not as good. It's just there's something about those glasses. Do you have them on a string so you can take them on and off so you don't get dizzy when you're kind of trying to find material on the pegboard or whatever? No, I um I just r- slide them down my nose a bit and I look over top of them. <laughs> well, well, that, well, well, that's probably smart. Okay, it, it works. Um, I do wear I do use those like when I'm on the river because I wear sunglasses that aren't prescription. I use those um those super hideous flick glasses. Yep. Oh, the ones that flip up over your nose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, they they, well no, they actually they wear a pair of glasses with a strap built into them, and they just like there's a magnet that clips them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Clips them together across your across the bridge of your nose. They work pretty well. They look really dorky, but they work. Yeah, you know, at some point, dorky doesn't matter if you're catching fish. (laughs) Um, Exactly. So. What about glasses? For is there a certain type of polarized lens you like to use? Is there a brand you like to use when you're on the water? Um, I've been wearing Maui gyms for for years. I probably yeah. I think I've gone through probably three pairs, three four pairs. Um, you know, and and I I actually dropped my Maui's and stepped on them, and they're glass lens Maui gyms. I I shattered the lens. Well, sent it back to Maui gym, gave them my credit card. 
supposed to be 50 bucks us to fix it they didn't charge me and they sent me a brand new the same same frames but two brand new lenses wow yeah so you know it's about customer service for me if they're going to do that then yeah you know what the heck yeah i'm i'm a huge maui gym fan like that's that's i don't buy anything else to be honest i mean if i, I do find they're really durable and yeah. uh and, yeah. and they 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 don't um you know they yeah they, they stand up and they're and the glass is really nice too what Len, what lens do you like? So, uh, like, I like asking colors. So, is it like a rose? Is it an amber? Is it a copper, uh, brown? What color? Kind of gray? Mine are actually green. Green. The, the lens is green. Yeah. Okay. People And then people put them on. Like, they're absolutely atrocious for driving because they don't really cut the glare. Like, they're not, they're not really a great uh, lens for the tropics. I wore them in Mexico a couple winters ago, and they were pretty awful. Uh, they weren't dark enough. Okay. But they cut the glare in the rivers and lakes like there's no tomorrow. So, and I always wear a hat, so it's uh, they work really, really, really well. Do you find it magnifies colors too? I do. Yeah, yeah. it's really pop when you wear them. Yeah, yeah, uh, me too. I, I think um, for people that are just say you're just getting into fly fishing and you're like, okay, I need some polarized glasses. And if you if you haven't done a lot of fishing, for me the glasses are almost as important as the fly rod. Like if you're, if you're fishing moving water, if you're fishing still water, you want to see what's going on. You want to take the glare off. The polarized lens is the only way to go. But then you Absolutely. find, you find your wheelhouse, right? You find like your lens that works for you. Cause everyone's different. I know, I know guys and gals that like the gray and the rose and the amber and the, and there's no right answer. You find what works for you. For, for me personally, I like the rose one. Uh, from Maui Jim, mm -hmm. I've always loved that one. That's that's my go-to, but um, I'm open to trying new things all the time on that because I, I think that's one thing that we maybe and I want to do a show on that. And I, I did early on when I started this podcast, Len, and, and that was on optics. But I think uh, we can probably dig a little deeper. Um, but you're hitting some stops there. With, I mean, Maui Jim's a great company for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've I've tried others. Like I've got a pair of Costas somewhere, and I have some. Um, uh, I can't think of the name of them. Uh, Smiths. Uh, Smiths. Yep, I've got yeah. some old Smiths. Yeah, me too. And the old Smiths are actually pretty decent. Yeah, I had some um, old Smiths too. I liked them. Not as much as my Maui's though. Yeah. No. Exactly. They're they're um those ones are actually an amber like an almost an amber brown lens. Yeah, that's what I had. Um, and they stood up pretty well. Um, but yeah, and then I got the Maui's, and I'm like, okay, it's Maui Jim only now. Yeah. But you know what I did? I went and got some Maui's and then I got them because um, I do wear glasses for driving at night. So I, I got prescription and man, oh, yeah. nice. it cost a ton of money. But I'm telling you, yeah. that was life changing. I could. And now it's so you can relate to this. You and I are fishing still water as well as moving water. But when your Indies out there and it's out as far as you can cast and you don't have, you know, you've got your glasses on, but they're not. Uh, magnified or they're not for your vision, you mm -hmm. may or may not see those little subtleties when that indie's kind of just moving a little bit. And that really helped my hook sets. And my, I just, that was a big game changer for me. Right on. Yeah, for sure. Do you wear glasses? Like as far I as. I do. I wear, pro, I, I wear progressives. Um, right. I really don't need them for distance. Okay. Um, but I just wear them all the time because I need them for the computer. I need them to read. Right. So my my uh, optometrist said, "Well, you know what? Just just get progressives." But then I looked at the price of the Maui Gym progressives, and I just about fell out of my chair. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. No, I I fell no. right out. I think it was eight hundred bucks. I think I was. Yeah. I want to say seven eight hundred bucks in, but and and you know what? They're scratched to crap now, and I can't wear them. But um, anyway, uh, I'm getting off track. But uh, the, these are the little things that I think are big things when you're on the water. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, what what are you using for craft? So let's say you're fishing dragon, um, and mm -hmm. it sounds like you're fishing a bigger vessel on that one. Um, yeah. What are you fishing out of? I've got um, an 18 foot six uh, Fisherite Power Drifter with a 70 horse um, Yamaha jet on it. Wow, nice. It's yellow. I shouldn't say that. Yellow, but it's yeah, it's so yellow. We'll... It, it, was, it was it was. You'll see me. We'll and see I think you. Most people. So you've seen that, that banana flying by. That's, they call it the banana boat. Yep. Yeah. It uh, it was it was wrapped camo when I first bought it, um, and I was trying to get the big mossy oak name off the side of it, 
And um, my daughter was helping me, and we um, managed to rip the camo wrap. So I thought, oh, let's get the heat gun out and make this thing yellow. So <laughs> peeled it off, and um, yeah. So yeah, for the bigger lakes, I uh, I use I use that thing. I used it on Cam Canum quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and I've I bought a Watermaster a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, really like that. Um, I love those scraps, man. Love them. Yeah, they're they're nice. I put the, I've got the floor for it too. Okay. Um, but uh, I'm a little heavier than the floor would like when you stand up. <laughs> so it's kind of like walking on jello. Um, so I don't stand in it too much. Okay. Um, but a, a, a guy I know really well is uh, in Prince George here is uh, starting to build some uh, nine foot four uh, flat bottom aluminums. Uh, I John saw Lewis. that. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's CC Industries actually up here is uh, is building those things. So I'm hoping to. Hoping to scoop one off them in the next uh, next little while. They're just a prototype CC right now. Industries. Yeah, I, I saw some posts there that either you put up, somebody yeah, that, put that's, up. That's a different guy up here. Um, I think that guy's building out of his out of his garage. CC is uh, CC Industries has been around for a long time. Okay. Um, they they build boat racks. Um, hmm. Have built boat racks for for decades, and they're just starting to get into this into this John boat thing. Yeah. Um, I was I was poking them a little bit about it, so they uh, they said, yeah, you know what. You can, Build a prototype, so they built a prototype and it floats and it looks really good. Um, you know, forty-four inch bottom, seventeen inch gunnels, fifty-five inch beam, yeah, um, nine foot four long, hundred percent TIG welded, just beautiful boats. It's funny. So um, something that and and you and I have been doing this a long time. So for me, it was, you know, we started with the well, we didn't start with we started with the old Sears Tinny, right? And then but then you go. Yeah. You know, trolling Spratly behind it, and then the belly boats came out. Then the U <laughs> yeah. U boats came out. Then the pontoon boats came out, and now everyone's going to these flat bottom punts, um, aluminum or wood. But I I, I got to tell you, so I picked up a I got a Journey nine foot six, and I mm -hmm. I love it. I I yeah. that has changed my fishing. The it's heavier than the Marlin. I know that, mm -hmm. but I love the fact that it's flat on the bottom you know there's no yep. there's no ridges it is like it's a rock I and mean, that thing is not flipping i uh, no and they're and, and they're thicker material than the marlins too right like yeah to me yeah you know just looking at them they, they look like a better made boat i've been in both um i, I think the spratley's probably similar to that because i i did fish out of a yeah. spratley with with a friend and and it seemed pretty similar but it's kind of the Definitely. same recipe. It depends what you want. The thing I like about the Marlin is how light it is, right? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. It's hard to have everything, right? You can't, it's like, you know, you almost need that. You talk about that. You say you got a water master. Mm -hmm. so, so in my mind, you got that, and then you got your your flat bottom boat. You pretty much can do anything, especially if you throw in that big one for dragon. I mean, you've got all the yep. water's kind of covered, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I've had a ton of boats. I had a Springbok, a nine foot Springbok. Yeah. Um, sold it to buy a uh, a Spratly, uh, but it was one of the first Spratleys that had the uh, the cracking issues in the in the floor. Okay, I'm not um, aware of that. And yeah, it was it wasn't really anything they did wrong. Uh, there were some welds that they they welded the seats to the floor, and then the floor flexed, the seats didn't. So it popped a few welds. It wasn't the end of the world. It just it just um, just weeped a bit. But you know they they were really awesome. I took the boat down to them in Burnaby, mm -hmm. and they welded her up for me free of charge, even though I was like the third owner of the boat. Wow, that's cool. Um, yeah, I sold that one, um, and uh, bought a uh, something else. Did that, a low, a low? Bottom. was it a low? No. Uh, it was, I can't even think of the name of the thing. It was, um, a Prince craft. Oh yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I had a little Prince craft nine foot flat bottom, but it was only 32 inch bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not a small guy and I thought I was going to drown in that thing. <laughs> so I, I unloaded it and I picked up a, um, yeah, I'm terrible. I've, I've had a lot of boats. Um, I picked up a, um, fly fisher, hovercraft fly fisher yeah. from a guy. On That's Grand a nice Lake. boat. And I, you know, after I got the Watermaster, I just stopped using it. So hmm. I, I sold it to Trevor, actually. Really? Oh, yeah, so oh that, that, okay, yeah, yeah. 
I've seen that yeah, one. So that that uh, that boat is that boat. That's my old boat. Trevor did a bunch of work to it and yep. got it looking pretty. Uh, and I, you know, I had actually had a uh, Lund fourteen forty eight for a while there too with a twenty five jet on it. Yeah. And I had a whitewater raft. But, uh... <laughs> but the, and that's but that's our challenge, right? Okay, so if you're out on a bigger body of water, say you're fishing somewhere like Pyramid Lake, you're fishing somewhere like Dragon Lake, you're fishing somewhere like Sheridan Lake. When that wind kicks up, you don't want to be out there in a wide bottom flat boat because you're going to be in for it, right? All day. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that, and that is the thing. My old boss always told me it's like having a Corvette that's good in the bush. It's not going to happen. You, you need to yeah. find the right vessel, the right craft for that job. And unfortunately, that's probably going to mean you need two or three. And, and exactly. that's yeah. right. I mean, yeah. There's no one boat. There's no perfect no. boat. It's like no, there's, there's no not. perfect truck. But no, exactly. <laughs> Amen to that. But that, but that is what I struggle with with some of these forums. Like people are like, no, you need a Spratly. No, you need a Journey. No, you need a Marlin. There's no freaking yeah. right answer for anybody. It's like you, you, whatever's right for you doesn't mean it's right for me. Same um, as fly rods. Go oh. and cast them. Whichever yeah. fly rod feels best in your hand. Amen. If it's, you know, if you yeah. can afford it, buy it. Yes. And if it's if 200 like bucks and you love it, what the hell? Buy right? it. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Who cares what name's on it as long as it works? What? Uh, let's talk brands because um, what do you like to use? I mean, we've all got our preferences. Uh, what, are you, what are you fishing? My my favorites are Winston and Scott. Okay. I've never so, I've never owned either. Um, I own, I've fished Scott's for years. Okay. Um, and uh, their spay rods, a lot of their spay rods, and then um, a lot of the single-handed rods. I'm looking. I'm actually sitting in my tying room right now, and I'm looking at nine Scott fly rods sitting in front of me here. Nine. Um, How many yeah, do you need? What What's I've going got, on up there? I've got, I've got 34 rods. My My name's Len, and I I have a problem. <laughs> I do. It's bad. Um, yeah, man. I just bought another one, but. Uh, <laughs> and then Don, Donnie Erasmus, you know, he's he's a huge Winston guy. He's always been a Winston guy. Yeah. And I was like, ah, you know, they look all right. And he said, well, try one. Uh, and then I had the opportunity to buy uh, a Winston Super 10, um, which is their 10-foot 5-weight. Is that the Boron and or is that the... It's a Boron, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Boron yeah. Super 10. Um, it's a wicked chronometer rod. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, you can't overline it though. It's a five weight rod. It only wants a five weight line. It does not want a six weight. Mm. It, it will launch your, your, your indie as far as you can cast it with a five weight. If you put a six weight on it, it just dumps the line in front of you. Interesting. Yeah. As I've got, I've got three Winstons, um, little eight foot six, four weights, um, up to the, that, that five, I've got a nine foot five weight and then that super 10 five weight. But hmm. yeah, you know, I, I've always loved the Scott rods and that their warranties have always been, yeah. you know, it's, they're solid. Right. And, and I've, I've never broken a Scott rod that wasn't me being an idiot with the <laughs> rod. Right. That's honest. And, and other, other brands that I won't mention, I have snapped casting dry flies and I, the, the rod has come out of the tube brand new from the factory or from the shop, taken it out to the river Obviously, it's never been clipped by a fly. Mm-hmm. Casting it, snap. The blank just snaps. And I'm like, what? What is going on? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, and I, I broke a I broke a $1,500 spay rod on a hook set. Oh, jeez. Um, I haven't yeah, even ventured. It, I have not ventured into spay fishing. I love it. I just, I don't need another habit. That's my problem is it's like <laughs> you're talking about 9, 10, 12 rods on the wall. It's like... Yeah, you know, um, I know I'm gonna get there one day, but uh, mostly for what the fishing we're doing, I'm fishing the Sunilkameen, I'm fishing um, mm-hmm. the Kettle, I'm fishing rivers that you can pretty much get a fly out there with a you know a single-handed rod where you need to be. Oh, but, absolutely. My, but, my my spay rods are mostly for steelhead and bull trout. Right. Which um, I've got a little. I've got a couple of trout spays as well. Um, I hmm. built one of them. What about reels? I, I something that I have always struggled with is reels, and I, I say that only because for me, number one is the rod, number two is the line. The reel is just kind of a vessel. For, for, I'm just being honest. As long as it has a yeah. decent drag, but I mean, and some people think differently. But what's your go-to with reels? Um, for for lakes, um, I I've got 
mostly Ross. Um, and they're old. Like I've got a couple of newer Ross reels, but most of my Ross reels are old evolutions from the early nineties. Yeah. Um, or mid nineties, I guess, early two thousands. Um, and I've got a brand, well, a couple of years old. I've got a Gunnison that I use on that, uh, that super 10. Uh, but yeah, it's mostly Ross. Um, I've got a few Lamsons now. Yeah. Um, and I've got a few Ables, but the Ables are for saltwater stuff and uh, like A weights, 10 weights, and, um, and spay rods. So if you're fishing chronomids, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's May, early June. Things are happening. You've got some, some, some chronomids peeling off. You're, 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 say you're fishing in India on some still. Is that mm-hmm. where you pull out the, uh, the super 10 yeah absolutely hmm. yeah that i love that rod i you know and then it when i first bought it i was not i didn't love it because it doesn't cast like a scott so scott rods to me they can't i i've used them for so many years like i got my first one i think when i was 16 or 17 yeah um and you know and that was that was my go-to rod um and then you know donnie's like try these super 10 so i had an opportunity to buy one on a really good deal so I bought it and I was like, man, it is slow. Like I've got to relearn how to cast this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he told me I'm using the wrong line. So I, I relined it, put a different line on it. And uh, wow, like it's night and day. It's just, it's a beautiful casting rod and it, it's, it's nice. And you don't have to, you don't have to put power to it. It, it does the work for you. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. So I'll, I'll use that one. And then um, I actually have a Thomas and Thomas that I really like as well, but I forgot I had. Oh, um, that's a nice stick for sure. It, it's hiding on my on my uh, my rod rack here, but it's uh, it's my other chromid rod. Is that so, like a Euro nymph rod, like the longer? Nope it's a it's a nine. It's actually only a nine footer. Okay, but it's it's got some serious backbone to it, and it it it'll it'll literally cast any line. Like it's it's happy casting a dry line, like a floating mm. line. It's happy casting a type six or a type seven. Just to change your technique a bit, and it, it still launches that line just fine. It's funny, uh, like I worked in a fly shop a long time ago, and I, I've I've seen a big evolution in rods. And I think the first kind of real half decent rod I bought was a Saint Croix, and then I think mm-hmm. I was maybe a, a Reddington, and then it was a Hardy, and then it was an Orvis. I got a uh, whatever the high end Orvis is. It's, it was it was a lot of money. Helios? Yeah, Helios three, and I I love it because it's so light and it's a ten foot and I, I I like I personally like a fast rod. I do not. I had a G Loomis um, back in the day too. I love a fast rod. Um, yeah, I got an Echo. I and I'm I, but I'm not I'm not loyal to any brands. Just being honest, like if I cast it, I like it. I go with it. Um, Absolutely. And, and like you say, if you can afford it, like like for me. It, at fifteen hundred dollars, there's not a lot of value there. I'm just I'm just being perfectly honest. If I can buy a fly rod for five hundred bucks that has a lifetime warranty or less, like say say two, three, four, five hundred bucks, like and that's where I like the echoes and some of the Reddingtons. It's like you know what they got a lifetime warranty in these rods. I can get it replaced, and I think for the average angler, that's that's enough. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, absolutely. But they're, they're yeah, and, and, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go. You go. Um I've had uh you know, I, I actually I don't have any St. Croix now. I've had them. I love them. Um I got rid of them. Um uh, I've got a few Orvis rods, they were mostly my dad's. Yeah. Um when he passed away, I ended up with his rods and um That's kinda cool. So Yeah, and all of his tying stuff too. So it's you know, it's I keep them. Yeah. I don't really fish them very often. I keep them. Yeah. Um, I've got my, my dad didn't fish, but I have his rod. He had a, uh, from 1974, it's a spin cast rod. It's falling apart, but I still have it. But, uh, I'm the same as you. I don't use it. I look at it once in a while, but, uh, yeah, that's good stuff. Hey, I, I want to dig into, um, you know, your dream day. So like if you, and I know you love fishing in the moving water. I know you love fishing the still. Um, but paint us a picture of your dream day. If you could have it your way, who, who are you hanging out with? Is it Donnie? Is it another buddy? Is it is it family? Um, what kind of species are you chasing? What kind of flies are you throwing? What are you drinking? Paint us a picture of um, your perfect day. 
Sure. Yeah. Um, I would say that uh, it would be on the Stalaco River up here, probably. Um, and uh, chasing wild rainbows, um, you know, with, with Donnie or one of my other friends that, uh, that I go out there with quite often. Um, Donnie and I went out for a few days last year, um, stayed at the cabins there at Stalaco Lodge and, and had a great time on the river. Um, but yeah, no, I would say it was, you know, hanging out with a friend, a couple of friends, um, throwing dry flies at, uh, at wild rainbows is awesome or grayling. It's kind of like, hmm. it's a bit of a toss up for me, but, but the wild rainbows and, and the spots just get me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, definitely still water or, you know, if there were steelhead still, um, chasing steelhead on the coast. But I'm, I'm honestly more of a dry fly on the or Euronymph on uh, on interior streams now on fishing moving water. You got to take me out and show me these Euronymphing thing because I'm not dialed in on that whatsoever. I'm a dry. I'm a visual person. For me, that's why I love the indie fishing on the still. That's why I love the dry fly fishing on the moving. You can see that take, and for me, yep. there's something really special in that. I agree. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, so when this day is over, you've had an amazing day out there. Are you cooking a meal? Is there uh, you got a campfire going on? What does that look yeah, like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, probably a couple of bottles of wine and uh, a couple, couple of a uh, couple of chunks of lamb on the mm. on either the fire or on the um, yeah. on the barbecue, and uh, yeah, just just hanging out and chatting about the day. And sounds pretty good. Yeah. Is there anything about the sport of fly fishing or the pastime of fly fishing or tying that you think maybe we could do a little better? Is there anything that you look at, whether it's social media or um, whatever? Um, is there anything that kind of irks you about what we're doing? Um, it's, it still seems to be like a little bit like an, you know, the old boys club kind of thing, right? Um, and, you know, I know a lot of uh, ladies who work in fly shops and they know a lot more than me, but you know, they get overlooked because they're female and you yeah. know, a guy will go in there and try and try and mansplain something to them. And they, you know, they could outfish this person, but you know, they, they could outfish the guy like 10, 10 times around. And yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, I think that's really the, you know, realizing that, you know, there's a lot of women who fly fish. There's a lot of, a lot of, you know, like I, I'm, bound to determine to get my daughter out there fly fishing, catching fish, because I, uh, I think it's important, you know, um, to get the girls out there. Yeah. Um, Amen. Yeah. You know, really that's, that's it. That's really the, the main thing that, that kind of gets on my nerves that, you know, just the lack of respect for other people that are, you know, potentially more knowledgeable, you'd be knowledgeable, um, just because they're female it drives me nuts. I think too, that we've, I mean, from, from what I remember, Going back, I mean, it's it's exponentially, I don't know if that's a word. Is that the word, exponentially? It's better yeah. than it used to be. Like, I mean, like, you think about it. I, as a younger person, I used to I used to be really intimidated going into a fly shop. And now it's like, I don't, I don't feel that so much. There used to be a bit of an edge in there. And I think, I think it's a, I think it's a lot more inclusive than it used to be. I think so too. Yeah. It's just, you know, I, I hear from friends and they're like, Oh man, it drives me nuts. And I said, yeah, I, I could see that. That would, that would suck. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's funny how like who, this isn't rocket science, right? We're putting fur and feathers and synthetic materials on a hook and chasing fish. Exactly. Let's, let's not overthink this. You no, know? absolutely. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So anything uh, on your do list this year? Len, is there any uh, is there any trips you got coming down the pipe you want to tell us about, or any kind of um, bucket list stuff you want to knock off the list? Um, this year I am so next week I'm actually traveling for work, uh, and I have to go over to Haida Gwaii to, um, to meet with the the Haida and, and and the tour of a few facilities and things like that. And um, I'm going to try and chase some steel when I'm over there on the weekend. Nice. Um, obviously not with my government truck, but. Uh, Got, I got a lot of friends over there, so I'm going to try and chase some steelhead and some sea runs. Um, Haida Gwaii is always a bucket list, even though I've been there probably 20 times. It's still my, one of my favorite places to go. Hmm. Um, I got a week off in May. Um, 
and I'm going to go fish Stillwater, um, probably in the Caribou. And then um, second to last week of July, I'm going to be down in the Canham Lake area. So I'm going to fish the Canham River, a um, few, few of the lakes around there if it's not too hot. And then the last week of July, I'm heading uh, heading down to the Kootenays with a couple of buddies. Um, wow. And the East Coots are going to stay in Fernie. I think we got five or six days we're staying down there. So we're going to fish the daylights out of those rivers. And oh, yeah. the West, West Lopes are pretty special fish. Yeah. Um, We've got a lot of bullies then, in there, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And then um, I'm actually towing my jet boat down there and I'm going to hit the Columbia on the way home. Beaut. Nice. So that, that's, that's the summer. And then uh, hopefully this <laughs> fall I can, I can get a couple more trips in. That sounds but, pretty good. Uh, I, I try to get it every weekend yeah, uh, or every other weekend, probably I would say. Um, and you know, we, we've got, we've got some streams close to town in Prince George. So in June, it doesn't get dark until like 10 o'clock up here. Um, so if I can do it, I'll uh, throw a couple of rods in my truck in the morning when I go to work. And then as soon as work's over, I jump in my truck and I burn up to the, burn up to the Creek and, and throw some dry flies at some hungry trout. When you do Haida Gwaii, is uh, you ever fish the copper? Yep. Yeah, I've heard so many good stories about that. Yeah, there's some beautiful streams over there. Um, the copper and the um, I mainly fish the Yakun because uh, the place I stay is on is on Graham Island. Yeah. Um, so I mainly fish the Yakun, but uh, yeah, I have it done down and fished the copper a few times. Beautiful. Well, listen, um, keep up the good work at the vice and on the water and and for the uh, environmental protection uh, officer as far as uh, the province of BC goes. We appreciate what you're doing, and, and uh, I've, I've really enjoyed chatting with you tonight. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks a lot, Mark. It was great. We've been chatting tonight with Len Cook out of Prince George, British Columbia, Canada, avid fly fisher, fly tire, and Len works with the environmental protection uh, officer with uh, the province of British Columbia. Thanks so much for joining us, folks, this time around. We'll see you next time. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.